When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Broncos podcast on this magnificent Monday, the first Monday of the new year. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my man, Andrew Mason. And before we talk about a new year, a new you, a new football team, got to tell you about our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online. Over at MSU Denver Online, they are making it so you can continue to live your life while getting a career. Whether you want to take one class, whether you want to go earn a degree over at MSU Denver Online, they have it all for you. You can do everything. Continue to live your life and get a degree. And right now, if you use the code DNVR Sports, they're going to waive that application fee. So it's going to cost you nothing to get in the door with MSU Denver Online. Online and continue that education. So check them out over at MSU Denver Online. My boy, Mace, happy new year, my friend. Happy new year. Happy 2022. Wish it was a little happier in Broncos country, but it's not bad. We got a nice snowstorm over the weekend. I'm looking out at the uh, Rocky Mountains and seeing the snow-covered uh, front range off in the distance. So it's a lovely looking day out there. Hopefully we'll be able to get some more snow here, keep things kind of moist and uh Although that boy, oh boy, I know people don't like the word moist. That drives people crazy. But keep, yeah, just keep things nice. Hopefully, uh, hopefully get out of this extremely dry pattern that we've been in. Yeah, seriously. In a new year, hopefully some new moisture. And Mesa, a lot of people say, hopefully a new coaching staff in Denver <laughs> as well. I've got to ask you, what are your thoughts on Broncos coaching staff after that game yesterday? You were in Los Angeles. You got to see it firsthand. What'd you think? I mean, I, I alluded to it in the story I wrote, a lot of it was more of the same. And what I'm talking about is, yeah, there were a lot of players absent because of COVID and, and, and injuries, and in particular, Kenny Young and Ronald Darby. So you literally looked at the defensive two deep, for example, and saw that 11 of the 22 guys on the two deep were out. So I want to kind of separate that. 
and focus on the things that were still kind of within the control of the coaches. Okay. Start with the modified Philly special play call on fourth and goal. Now there, you know, it was sort of a, it's been sort of alluded to that uh, perhaps uh, Drew Locke could have checked out of it when Nasir Adderley got close. And that's another discussion entirely, but at the same time, should that should the Philly special have been a play call there when you have a quarterback who just injured his throwing shoulder and had to get an injection, a painkilling injection to go out there uh, and you expose him to the kind of hit that he had to absorb there close to the goal line? Uh, I, do, I did not like that call. I On special teams, it's more of the same, but in particular, you focus on Deontay Spencer muffing a punt and Brandon McManus admitting that on the kickoff return on the kickoff to uh, Andre Roberts that went 101 yards the other way that he put the ball in the wrong place. He was trying to aim it to the right. To which I say, no. When you've got a kickoff coverage team prom- comprised of a lot of practice squad guys called up in an emergency situation, you're not trying to go in a direction. You should be telling Brandon McManus just kick the hell out of the ball and knock it out of the end zone and not leave it to chance. Well, maybe and that's isn't a- that what isn't that something that Vic kind of pointed to today when he was yeah. talking about special teams? He said we have so many new people going right. in and out of special teams. You're 100 percent right. You can control that. You can say to the one guy that's consistent, Brandon McManus, kick it out so we don't have to worry about the other ten guys. Right. That's on Tom McMahon, and you know what? Vic Fangio is the head coach, so ultimately that's on him. If he sees the game plan that says. Oh, we've with a bunch of fill-ins on kickoff coverage, and we're talking about this directional stuff. That's where Vic, as the head coach, needs to say, "No, our most reliable element of that phase of special teams is Brandon McManus. Just tell him to knock the ball out of the end zone and start the twenty-five. Don't leave it. Don't leave it to chance. And then yet another failed challenge. I mean, it's just kind of laughable when these things when these things come up. And ultimately, that's on Vic Fangio as well. So. I put it this way. I didn't, I, I didn't see a lot that was within the coach's control that flattered the head coach and flattered uh, the guys on his watch. So to me, it was, to me, it was, but it was more of the same, more of the same patterns that we've seen over the course of the year. And it just, it, it was exacerbated by not having so many first and second teamers available. So then Mace, my question to you is in uh, one week from now, heck, maybe even six days from now, what does this Denver Broncos coaching staff look like? Who Who is here? Who is not here? At the minimum, I think we know that Pat Shermer and Tom McMahon aren't here. I mean, the question is all about uh, about, Vic, about Vic Fangio at this point. It's going to be a George Payton decision. You know what? Though, Joe Ellis is also going to have an impact in that, even though Joe Ellis will be uh, stepping aside when the ownership transition is completed. He is still acting as as the ultimate boss over there he is he also is still trying to do things as pat bolin would have done and so oftentimes i think it's very simple to ask wwpd what would pat do what would pat have done if you had a coach who had three consecutive losing seasons if you had the same kinds of mistakes that are within the that are within the coach's control that continued to happen. I don't think Pat Bowen would stand for it. 
Yeah, I I don't think he even would have made it to three losing seasons, Mace. I don't think he would have been able to uh, to see the third season if we were going by that standard. And you're right. And unfortunately for Vic, I think what's going to potentially really hurt him is this Broncos game in week 18 at home against the Kansas City Chiefs. The Broncos have nothing to play for. The Chiefs have so much to play for. So that to me tells me, Broncos fans probably aren't going to be eager to go spend $50 on parking, to go spend a couple hundred dollars on food and beverages. So they're not going to be eager to do that. Now the game was moved to Saturday. Mace, I've already talked to a couple of people, <laughs> including my brother, who said, I can't make the game. I was planning on going to the game on Sunday. I can't make the game since it was moved six days before the game. That's going to hurt attendance. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to have so many Chiefs fans there as well, plus empty seats. That is is when an owner, a.k.a. now in this case, Joe Ellis, says, I can't let this go on another year. So I think it could step even above George Payton's head with this decision of Joe Ellis saying, from a business standpoint, I can't let this happen. So, Mace, I got to ask, is Vic Fangio the head coach of this team in one week from now? Mm. If I were bet, it's basically a coin flip. If I were saying one side of the coin or the other, I'd say 55 that – they're they're making a change at this time next week. Okay, and I feel very similar to you, but I'll just take the other side of that coin. It mm-hmm. lands on tails for me, <laughs> and I'm saying that Vic is back, but like you said, Tom McMahon out, Pat Shermer out, and what this is going to boil down to is something that Vic Fangio kind of hinted at today when talking about the offensive struggles. Vic said, uh, you, we don't have to worry about the offense. It's going to be taken care of by George. What that tells me is George Payton, is going to be picking Vic Fangio's offensive coordinator. George Payton is going to be picking Vic Fangio's special teams coordinator. This is going to be George Payton's staff, and George Payton is choosing to have Vic Fangio be the defensive coordinator and not lose his head title position. But I think there's going to be more things than just that change. I think you're going to see the way that the game is managed differently. I think George Payton's going to have a game manager coach or at least say, you know, Mike Munchak is in charge of game management. And it's going to be George Payton really bringing this whole thing together. And I know that's not what a lot of people want to hear. That's just, man, this season has gone as bad as it could have after starting seven and six. The Broncos have lost three straight. Sure, two of them were pretty close losses. Yesterday, a blowout. But it's just crazy to me that Vic Fangio still has a chance. And to me, that says all I really need to hear right now, that it's just that close of a decision. And that's why I think that they get that, that, that they, they give him the benefit of the doubt. And I already have people in the comment section saying, Zach, you're so wrong. I absolutely could be wrong. But the fact that Vic Fangio is still employed when black Monday this year really was last week. I think that says something. Yeah. At the same time. I mean, no one got fired on black Monday league wide. Yeah. Yeah. So even with that window, no, you know, nobody chose to act. I mean, uh, you look, for example, at the at the at the the Raiders. Now, obviously, they're in playoff contention, but there's no indication they're even looking at coaches right now. They're even talking to coaches. Yeah, and frankly, it certainly brings into the possibility that Rich Bisacci ends up keeping the job. I, how put it this way, could you let go of a coach who, despite everything that team has been through, somehow got them to the playoffs? I mean, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> look, if the Raiders win on Sunday and they're a playoff team, if they don't want Rich Bisaccia, I can think of a bunch of teams that would. All right. After- he'll definitely, maybe he'll be the Broncos special <laughs> teams coordinator. <laughs> hey, he would have to do better, right? I mean, that's, 
Oh, it, it, goodness gracious, Zach. It's just, it's, um, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of mind blowing that we're here. I mean, you, you talk, you mentioned losing three in a row and almost certainly it's going to be four. This game yeah. will probably be a little bit ugly unless the Broncos are the equivalent of the Chargers back when they came in here six years ago today, giving the Brock Osweiler and, le- and later Peyton Manning-led Broncos a hell of a fight in that game. Unless you have something like that, this is probably going to be a fairly grim Saturday in terms of in terms of the performance and in terms of what happens. And the one thing that I think could move the needle here and could make uh, Joe Ellis say, all right, we have to do something. I'm going to, I'm going to put my foot down is looking out over those grandstands and seeing swaths of empty seats and those that are filled overwhelmingly filled by people wearing red. That would be an unmistakable sight. You mentioned, Zach, that people uh, people aren't going to be able to change their plans. Like if they come from out of town, then yeah. it's hard to say, oh, well, I'm going to go change my flight to come watch this game, this team. Or people that are local, they've, you know, maybe you've got non-traditional hours. You don't work the 9 to 5 Monday through Friday. You schedule your time, your downtime from work around Bronco games, so you make sure that you had Sunday free to go to the game, and you're working Saturday. Well, now the game is on Saturday, on short notice to watch a a seven and nine team that is headed for its fifth straight losing season. Are people going to change their plans? Uh, prob- for the most part, no. I do know one person that, in fact, did change a flight back from a trip to make sure that they're going to be at the game. But this is somebody who simply has uh, a streak of that, that has been maintained over the years in play that he just wants to keep, that he wants to keep up. But I think the vast majority of people are going to, are going to pass. So, and the other thing is people who could go, do they want to send a message? Empty yep. seats send a message, yep. an unmistakable message. To. Yeah, and and you know maybe it's maybe it's not going to the game. If maybe it's like Giants fans back in 1978 when the team had been struggling for a generation. Uh, there was a game where many of them delayed going into the stadium for the first quarter. Some even took the the extent of burning their tickets outside of the stadium of course nobody has physical tickets anymore so you can't do (laughs) the physical tickets are gone you can't have anything like that but you could have i mean is is it a case where people people say we're not going to go or i want to i want to go support the guys that are playing for the broncos but i want to send a message and maybe people just kind of uh delay going in for a quarter or a quarter and, and a half. I mean, there there are things that fans can do. Those that have tickets, fans can do to send an unmistakable message. If if you want to see change, you can act in a way that the organization cannot ignore. And I can say this from having worked in that in that organization on two for two separate stints i can say from working for the panthers organization between them they do notice empty seats yep they do at the highest levels 
Yeah, and, and they really are paying attention to what the fans are saying. And, mm-hmm. and that's why my confidence level probably went from a 60% chance that Vic was back to really closer to a coin flip uh, because of, of all of the fan reaction here. And it's it's interesting that, that some people kind of understand that, yeah, Vic's probably going to get the benefit of the doubt because of ownership. Because of uh, because of how good the defense is, and some people are just absolutely furious with the idea that Vic's back. And hey, I get it. I mean, Mace, you you put it out last night, I believe, from 1980 to what 2015. The Broncos had five losing seasons, and in the past five five years, uh, put 2016 to the side. They've had five losing seasons. Right. They, they've done what they did over three decades. They've did it mm-hmm. in the past five years. Exactly. It took 34 years to have five losings to have five losing seasons. And I mean, from, and it was 83, they had a losing season a two, but that was really, I, that was two and seven. It was that weird strike year. There's, you know, probably the most anomalous year in the history of the national football league. So the year after the strike Broncos go nine and seven Thir- So 83 to 2016, 34 years, five losing seasons. What a time it was. And then just as many losing seasons in the last five years. I mean, it's they've they, just think about that. What it took, it, they've accomplished in five years in a negative way what it took them 34 years to do before. I mean, that is, and, and if we throw out the strike, and if we throw out the strike year uh, of, of 82, we can say it took them 40 years to have <laughs> yeah. five full losing seasons because they 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 uh, had a losing season in 75 and then went 9 and 5 and 76 Super Bowl in 77 which really launched the Denver Broncos into what we knew them to be for for so long and now they're at I mean they're at the worst point they have been since the Lou Saban era 50 years ago and again we continue to see things happen to this team that haven't happened in 50 years it's yeah. so it's traumatic for the fans because unless you're a 60 year old Bronco fan, you don't really have much of a memory of what this is like. You've never yeah. experienced this before. Yeah. Even those people, Mace, as long as they don't have your memory, I think everyone's kind of forgotten about what <laughs> this is like. And it, that that's why it's so brutal. And, and don't get me wrong. There are plenty of reasons for the Broncos to move on from Vic Fangio. You you don't need to think of them. They're they're right there for you. And that's why so many people are thinking about it. And Mace, that's why it's it's honestly time to start looking at the list of candidates for who the Broncos can bring in. And I want to get to all of them because there are so many. Who's at the top of our list? But first, I got to tell you about our friends over at Lightshade Dispensary. And right now, you can shop online or in one of their 10 locations, soon to be 11 in the Denver Metro and Aurora area. And you can get 25% off by using the code DNVR over at lightshade.com or in any of their locations. Make sure to use the code DNVR for 25% off. And right now they're featuring the Escape Artist, which is the highest award topical brand in Colorado that prioritizes quality and consistency with ratios available in one-to-one and high ratio CBD 20-to-one. They've got you covered. They use the best materials and ingredients to deliver the premium experience. And I'll tell you what, people at DNVR are big fans of Light Shade Dispensary. So you got to check them out by using that code DNVR for 25% off. Again, at lightshade.com or at any of their 10, soon to be 11 Denver Metro locations. Also, of course, check out us at, at DNVR. Of course, 
a great way to follow your Colorado teams to become a DMVR member here for the new year. You get to read not only the content that Zach and I pump out on the Broncos, but also what everybody on the staff pumps out about about Denver area teams that are doing better. You want to read all about uh, the Avs and how they're rolling along. You want to read all about uh, the Nuggets and how Nicole Jokic is launching what should be yet another MVP season. So if you don't want to read about the Broncos, we've got you covered on it, on everything. Buffs, CSU Rams, Avs, Nuggets, Rockies when when they get going. And of course, if you're a DMVR member, you get to you get to come on down to the DMVR bar, get the big beer for a price of a small beer. And, of course, you can leave comments for us on the podcast. We're going to get to some of those here uh, later on. Another another reason to become a DMVR member is you get a discount on the tailgate. We've got one last tailgate coming up on Saturday before Chiefs-Broncos. The game got moved. The tailgate got moved. But we're going to be there with all the Breck brew you can drink all the sexy pizza you want to eat. Uh, you can you know play flip cup, have some, have some fun, hang, hang out, enjoy the company of Bronco fans who are probably experiencing the same kind of frustration with a team that, that you are. Misery loves company, right? You can maybe dr- drown your sorrows a little bit with some of those Breck brews. If you're a DMVR member, you're going to get a discount on that. So make sure you go on over to, to the DMVR.com and purchase your tailgate ticket. You can either you can even uh, purchase a ride on the party bus from the DMVR bar leaving Saturday morning for the game. And so there's so many other things as well. There's a members only Discord if you join the, the you join the DMVR.com. You get extra raffle tickets at all watch parties. You get a free DMVR shirt with annual membership. You get weekly member deals in the DMVR locker and much more. So check it out and celebrate the new year in Colorado sports by becoming a member of the DMVR.com today. And celebrate the new year by bringing home the cash. Our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook are giving you an opportunity to get in on this fantastic deal for one more week. They're offering you the chance to bet on any NFL or college football game. Place a $5 bet, and if your team wins, you get $200 in free bets for new customers. No better way to start your account than $200 in free bets, especially heading into the NFL playoffs. You can get in on that. Do it this week. Place a $5 bet on any team, and if they win, you get five or you get $200 in free bets on top of the winnings of your bet. DraftKings also has great same-game parlays. You can get in on that with Monday Night Football. Pick the Steelers to win. Pick the Steelers uh, with the over and maybe Maybe take Ben Roethlisberger over as well, since it's going to be his last game at Heinz Field. All signs point that way. You can get in on parlay by doing it that way as well. So get in, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now, and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to get this awesome sign-up offer, which will get you $200 in free bets if you win a $5 bet. That's for Colorado-only, new customers-only restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call one 800 All right, I want to get to our DraftKings Sportsbook pick of the week as well because, man, this is one that I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw it go up on on Friday night that Alabama is an underdog in one week from now in the national championship game. I mean, thank you, people. And over at DraftKings Sportsbook, Alabama right now is plus three. Three. Now the line is minus 120 on that plus three. So you got to get in on it now because that tells me that it's going to dip below three and you really want to get it at three right now. So that's my pick of the week right now. Get in on Alabama plus three. They beat Georgia already this season. I know Georgia looked good in this past game, but so did Alabama. Alabama's going to win the game. But even if you don't think they're going to win, they're going to at least keep it a three point game. 
How did I know you'd pick Alabama? <laughs> <laughs> and there's still the money line pick. That's probably going to be my pick next week. Yeah. Oh, well, the one thing I'll say is that um, I do believe that Georgia, when I watching that SEC championship, Georgia held back an awful lot. So I'm fascinated to see what mm. Kirby Smart's game plan is going to be. Remember, Georgia didn't need that game. Alabama right. needed it. Yep. Georgia Tr- frankly treat it like a preseason game a little bit. So I'm really fast. But sh- sh- shouldn't have Georgia tried to knock Alabama out? Cause if Alabama lost, they're not in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, that's a good point as well. That is a good point, but, but it was a it, lot it, of people are, a lot of people are seeing what you're seeing Mace and, and they believe yeah. it's going to be a different Georgia, Georgia team. I saw I saw a team that wasn't as dynamic, especially on the defensive side. So let's see what they end up dialing up in this game. It might be something that even Alabama hasn't seen before. But I'm not going to go with a championship game. Um, I'm actually going to go with a rare NFL pick here. And uh, right now, you Washington is at the Giants. Now, they're a road favorite, six-and-a-half-point favorite. And maybe you're like, oh, do you want to take a, a road favorite? Well, we just learned, speaking of Georgia football, Jake Fromm is going to start for the Giants on Sunday against Washington. Mike Glennon is going in for wrist surgery. He's done. Not that they were doing anything with Mike Glennon, but Jake Fromm was worse than Mike Glennon. Mike Glennon had to go back in because Fromm struggled, and now he's going against the Washington team. It's a mean, it's a meaningless game. And by the way, you should be rooting for the Giants in this game because if the Broncos lose, here is a chance for the Broncos to pick up a draft spot. Yep. Probably the best chance to move up in the draft is a Washington win over the Giants. So you want to be rooting for Washington every way. So if you're going to place a bet, why not put a sawbuck down on the football team to uh, get to 7-10? and 10. And if the Broncos lose to the Chiefs, then the Broncos, boom, top 10 pick. Boom. There we go. I love it, Mace. And let's 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 jump into this coaching search. If the Broncos lose seven and nine, four game losing streak, plenty of reasons to move on from Vic. And uh, we got we, we just have to hit this one off the top in the comment section. Uh, we had Vinny J said, what are the chances Kyle Shanahan is available after this season? Ah. Zero. Uh, so don't, don't even think about being able to pick Kyle Shanahan up as an offensive coordinator or head coach for this team. I mean, the, the 49ers are having their best season right now outside of their Super Bowl year. There's no chance they move on from him. But there are plenty of guys that are on the market or could be on the market soon, Mason. Let's start with the two that are in our headline here. Doug Peterson. I think he's at the top of both of our lists. Yeah, now, this doesn't mean he's a realistic candidate, and I really don't think that mm. the Broncos are going to be in on Doug Peterson. But okay. if you were if you were going down kind of the list of qualified coaches and you're saying, okay, what attributes do they have? Successful in the past? Check. I mean, he's won the ultimate in winning the Super Bowl with the Eagles, their first and only uh, Vince Lombardi trophy there in Philadelphia. Offensive mind? Check. He call he calls the plays. Uh, of course, he not only came up under Andy Reid, uh, both in Philadelphia and Kansas City, uh, on as a coach, but also uh, he, he goes all the way back to Andy Reid with the Packers under Mike Holmgren. I mean, he uh, he's been around bright offensive minds basically his uh, entire career. Even was around uh, a great coach in Don Shula way, way, way back when he was backing up for the Miami Dolphins. So. 
you you like the influences, you like the head coaching experience, you like the offensive background, if that's what you're looking for. He's been successful. He checks every box that yeah. you that, that you would want in a head coach. But because of that, he probably will have his pick of jobs. And the Denver Broncos, is that the job that he would really want right now? That's a that's that's the question. question. And and we have we actually have a comment in the in our comment section, which we'll get to in the third section, asking us to to rank these jobs. And I think that's an important thing to do. So we'll we'll do that in the third segment. But Mason, so that's the reason you think the Broncos won't be on on him is because he may view other jobs better, or do you think it's the Broncos not having interest in him? Mm, I think it's I think it's a little bit of both. I think uh, they're just they're, they're looking in some they're looking in different directions. I mean, to me, honestly, I think you'd be a fool not to have interest in Doug Peterson. Uh, at all, but yep. I think right the I think the antenna is direct. If they do move on, is directed toward other potential coaches than uh, than Doug Pearson. Maybe there's maybe there's a thought that they think okay, uh, with the ownership situation being what it is, and not knowing who's going to own the team in a few months, is that really is is it really something where they could they they could get him? I mean, you've got the ownership situation, the quarterback issue. I mean, all these, all these kind of come into play unless you can say at quarterback, hey, we're going to go get Aaron Rodgers. That's the sort of thing that could uh, be very enticing. But a situation like Jacksonville where uh, you have Trevor Lawrence, a, a pretty raw lump of clay that could be appealing. At the same time, Jacksonville has its issues as well because apparently they're going to keep Trent Baalke around as an executive. And there's a, there, there's a lot of indications uh, coming from around the NFL that uh, there's understandable hesitation on some coaching candidates to work with Trent Baalke. Yeah, yeah, and and Mason, we have Ian B coming in here, and he's building a super team. He says uh, Brandon Perna, the head coach, Mason, Andrew Mason, special teams coordinator, Ryan, offensive coordinator, Wade, Wade Phillips is a defensive coordinator, and Zach is the QB one. I love where we're going here, but he also brings up a more serious point and says, in all caps, no more first time head coaches for mm. now. And honestly. When was the last time the Broncos had success with a uh, with a first time head coach? Now it doesn't mean you can't find it. Look, Sean McVay uh, is having success. You can find success with first time head coaches. Brandon Staley right now is on the cusp of making the playoffs. He's one game away from making the playoffs in his first year. You can you can have success, but man, Mace, we've been living in a world where we just see rookie head coach mistake rookie head coach mistake rookie a uh, time after time after time uh Gary Kubiak was not a first time head coach and the Broncos had success with him uh the Broncos did have not had success with rookie head coaches as far as I can remember honestly so that that is something that I love about Doug Peterson and it's he's not just a guy that's had six had experience He's had fantastic experience. He's had so much success. And then on top of that, he's an offensive mind. And then on top of that, he's had success with Nick Foles. We're going to talk about Nathaniel Hackett in a little bit. He had success with Blake Bortles. That's a huge to cap tip to him. Same with, with Doug Peterson. He led a team to a Super Bowl win over Tom Brady and Bill Belichick with Nick Foles. I mean, I I there's pretty much nothing that I don't like about Doug Peterson. But because of that, Mace, I kind of where you are. I think he's going to have his pick of jobs. I think he's the top candidate out there. And uh, where the Broncos stand in a number of reasons, I don't think they're the top job on the market. Yeah, and I think uh, uh, we mentioned the Raiders earlier. And if they do move on from Mitch Bisaccia, uh 
Peterson might be the guy in Las Vegas that they end up targeting. And that would uh, be a good error, unfortunately. Yeah. You don't, I mean, I don't really want to see that from the Broncos perspective, but uh, you, I think maybe he can get Carr up just a little, kind of a half notch. It's certainly a roster that has some, t- that has some talent to it. And certainly a team that, as we've seen in the last couple of weeks, actually has some grit to it as well. What they've done in, in the last couple of games in particular kind of shows what sort of reservoir of, of intangibles that, 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 that roster possesses and so that may be a more attractive situation you mentioned you mentioned when was the last time the broncos had success with a first-time head coach you got to go all the way back to the late dan reeves who passed away this weekend Mm, and he came from dallas and at the time was the youngest head coach in the nfl when the broncos hired him now that is such an interesting set of circumstances because that was an offseason when the team was sold by the phipps brothers to Edgar Kaiser and Edgar Kaiser assessed the situation, met with Red Miller, met with Fred Gerke, the general manager and Red Miller, by the way, another first time head coach who did have success. So it's not like the Broncos haven't had success with first time head coaches. You just have to go a long way back to find it. You've got to go, you got to go back through the decades. So Kaiser buys the team, meets with Gerke, Meets with Red Miller, doesn't like what he what he kind of picks up, and at that point goes forth with his plan to change, make a change at the GM and bring in Grady Alderman from the Minnesota Vikings, uh, like George Payton, although they had completely different backgrounds. And then, of course, hires Dan Reeves, and Reeves was successful. But that's not the kind of thing I, th- I think you're going to see here. I think uh, if they make a if they make a move on Coach, it'll be early, and then if they don't make a move on Vic Fangio just because the ownership transaction could be completed, I think the absolute earliest is by the meetings and the league meetings in Palm Beach at the end of March. I think that is probably the most optimistic uh, time for completing all this. I think it's more likely it goes to the meetings later in the spring in May when you finally get approval and move and move on. And even then this is kind of on the express lane, but I don't. I think in that case, you would see the owner more likely saying he's going to sit back this year, watch, and then and then proceed. Of course, the problem the problem is this: unless you have done something at the quarterback that position that really excites the fans, that new owner is probably going to be looking at uh, some unsold suites and some unsold club seats. Uh, when the season begins, if the Broncos bring back Vic Fangio and don't make a big strike for an elite quarterback in the trade market. Yeah, it's a it's a fantastic point and really good insight there, Mace. Okay, let's go to the other name that's in here because Benjamin Albright has continued to talk about Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn. We've talked about him a little bit in the past, but Mace, where does he rank uh, on your board uh, of guys? And it doesn't have to be exact number, but is is he pretty high up? Would that be a great a great hire? He's pretty high up, and I know people are going to say, oh, well, he's a defensive coach, and they prefer an offensive mind. And after the last two years, believe me, I understand that sentiment. But at the same time, I think the most important thing you're looking for in terms of a, a coach is you're looking for kind of a big-picture perspective and you're also looking for kind of an ability to man to to manage the team manage the players manage the personalities um that's something that Vic Fangio at times has appeared to struggle at 
And that's something that uh, Dan Quinn, that, that is a strength of Dan Quinn's, his big picture perspective, being able to kind of manage individual personalities, r- relate to them. Uh, you can ask, for example, Tyler Columbus, who played uh, with uh, Dan Quinn in Atlanta um, and actually got way got cut uh, by Dan Quinn and uh, what that experience was like because Tyler uh, to this day speaks uh, with it with extreme praise for the way Quinn managed the team for the the tone that he set for the way he related to his players we see glimpses of that uh, there was that game of course where he had to be the head coach against uh, for the Cowboys against the Saints and we see kind of the enthu- the enthusiasm the energy it's a completely different vibe uh, than we've seen in the in the last few years and he brings that head coaching experience and th- that I think is a, is a strength because you say okay what mistakes did you make? How would you have done things differently? And I'd, I'd be curious to see how, how Quinn answered that because there were a lot of things that went right in Atlanta while he was there. It kind of faded down the, down the stretch, but he made some, he, you know, he, he made good offensive coordinator hires in general, Kyle Shanahan. And then Steve Sarkeesian did a good job running that offense after he replaced Kyle Shanahan on the level of Shanahan, but uh, did well enough to basically build his name back up to get a big time head coaching job in the college, in the college ranks eventually. So you want to, you, you focus on what he did, right? You want to see like, how would he do things differently? What's his offensive philosophy going to be? What is, what is his plan? And of course with Dan Quinn, there's a background with George Payton. They worked together in Miami uh, over a decade and a half ago. And there was that report from, I believe it was seven years ago at this time on Pro Football Talk that, and this was when Dan Quinn got hired by the Falcons. He got hired in this cycle, in the uh, uh, post-2014, early 2015 hiring cycle, that uh, George Payton was on some radars as general manager and that had and that he had contemplated having Dan Quinn as his coach because of the, the background the two shared and the relationship they have but Peyton pulled out of the search Dan Quinn still thought that was the right time to be a head coach and then kept his name in and got the Atlantic job and uh, took them to only the second NFC championship in the history of the Falcons franchise so uh, the, the, it's kind of, you, you see these little breadcrumbs that are out there that show that, uh, um, there's, there, there could be really something to the notion that George Payton at some point wants to work with hand in hand with Dan Quinn in an organization. And there are a lot of good things about Dan Quinn. The intangibles are there. I think he is good head coach material. Uh, the only thing is that I disagree with Mace is what the Broncos need the most right now. And you said they kind of need that head coach to, to bring everyone together. And that's certainly important. What the Broncos need the most, in my opinion, is that offensive mind. And that is something that Dan Quinn just doesn't have. Now, he has been successful. I think it's a great point that you bring up. He has been successful hiring offensive uh, coordinators and having a good eye for that. But if you're high, if you're doing that, that's George Payton to me saying he doesn't trust his talent uh, evaluation in terms of bringing coaches in. Because if you need someone else to hire your offensive guy, then you should be the one to be able to make that call. And if you're not, then you probably shouldn't be the general manager. So that, that that's my only thing why I don't like the Dan Quinn hire is the Broncos need offense so bad, so bad, so bad. And they went with the defensive mind who was Vance was supposed to be the leader of men. Now, obviously, I think Dan Quinn's a lot better at that and would do a better job. But still, you tried to go around a different 
you tried defense again in, in a different route. Vic wasn't brought here to be the CEO of this team. He was brought here to make the defense great, keep the defense great. And in year three, he's doing it. The Broncos have the second best defense in the NFL right now. And so that's just, I just think you need a total philosophical change here. But Dan Quinn does have a lot of good things. It's just not he's just not the top of my list because I think you have to go offense here. Let me let me throw another name at you then because here's somebody who's had co- head coaching experience, like Dan Quinn has taken a team to a Super Bowl, has this would be his third stop. He's offensive-minded. And also, if you want to get Peyton Manning involved with the organization at some point, this is a guy. I don't even care who it is. There we go. <laughs> so I just so I just gave you the resume of Jim Caldwell. Right. Offensive right. guy. To his credit, got Detroit to the playoffs. What has Detroit done? Since firing Jim Caldwell, I mean, the, the more time, that, right, Bupkis, uh, the more time that passes, the more of a mistake firing Jim Caldwell was for the Detroit Lions. I mean, yeah, there's, got, there's nothing sexy about yeah, yeah. Jim Caldwell because it's not like he's the new up and coming name. He's been fired multiple times, like you said, but he's he brings stability. He brings mm. what you want as a head coach, and he does bring the the offensive mind. Right, and the quarterback kind of whisperer as well. I mean, we know how highly Peyton thinks of uh, Jim Caldwell, who uh, worked very closely with him uh, as an assistant and then as a head coach in Indianapolis. Uh, Matthew Stafford did very well working with Caldwell in Detroit. Uh, they had a they had a terrific relationship, and um, no matter what you do at quarterback, if you have Caldwell, I think he's an asset whether you're trying to develop a young quarterback or you trade for a veteran, I think he's somebody that would that would make any quarterback that you might want kind of sit up a little straighter in their chair and, and take notice. He's one of those guys of whom you can say he's forgotten more about the quarterback position than most people will ever know. Exactly. And, and as we've seen, Good, you know, good, good leader. The only see, the only season on his watch that was really bad. It was that two and fourteen year when Peyton Manning was gone, and everything got a kind of melted down. I don't think there were there were many coaches that were going to win in that scenario. He, to me, he he put things together first in Baltimore. Remember when they fired Cam Cameron late in twenty twelve, and Jim Caldwell took over the offense, and lo and behold, a team that was kind of skulking around went on a rocket ship past the Broncos and unfortunately all the way to, to winning a world championship. And Caldwell had a huge role in that, had a huge role in maximizing what Joe Flacco was. And again, I, I know not a sexy hire because he's not the, the young flashy name, but somebody who does bring a lot of that offensive mind, uh, mind that you want to have and has, and has, as John Fox might say, skins on the wall. Yeah, man, and Mesa, a lot of support coming in for Cal- from Caldwell. Matt says, mm-hmm. I like Caldwell and Minshew. Jay says, uh, 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 Hey Duke says, Caldwell seems like a John Fox kind of hire. Brett mm-hmm. says, I take Jim Caldwell in a heartbeat. He never should have gotten fired from Detroit. Jeremy says, Jim Caldwell got a bad break in Detroit, and he fits the he mold did. of the CEO type. And I think Jay Kozad says it the best. He says, Cal- Caldwell would be a good, safe, higher and that, is that's safe kind of, a good word now 
Because remember, the Pat Sertan pick was the safe pick. I mean, exactly. He's he's not the the sexy hire. He's not the home run risky hire. Uh, He he's the safe one. And and I don't think there's anything wrong with being safe where where the Broncos are. And fortunately, some people still don't understand that the Broncos' standards have changed, Mace. And I think we kind of outlined that first 34 years, five losing seasons. The the standard was through the roof. It was Super Bowl or bust. You're crazy to say the Broncos standards are still Super Bowl or bust now. Broncos want a winning season. They haven't had one of those in five years. Broncos want to make the playoffs. They haven't got there in six years. The Broncos standards are not Super Bowl or bust anymore. It's 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 get to a winning season, then the next year, get to the playoffs. Now, they're never going to admit that, but that's kind of where we are right now. And, and so safe in this sense, I think, is completely okay. And along these lines, we have Dylan Smith coming in with the super chat who says, I like the Jim Caldwell uh, hire. I also like Greg Roman. If you can get him with what he's done with those three quarterbacks is incredible. What do you think about him, Mace? Greg Roman's really intriguing, especially if you've decided you're going to go young quarterback in the draft. And mm-hmm. um, how about Malik Willis with Greg that's Roman? that, you oh, know what, when you I look at the skill, the skill set and athleticism of Malik Willis and you think, okay, he's raw. Lamar Jackson was raw. And Roman has been has done such a brilliant job with Lamar Jackson over the years because he kind of built things incrementally. The Ravens offense and what Lamar Jackson has, has done has evolved piece by piece. And to his credit, started with what Lamar did w- really well right away and then built on that didn't try didn't try to throw everything at him and didn't try to jam Lamar Jackson into his idea of a scheme instead he designed the offense for what Lamar Jackson did best and 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 how he continued to grow and progress more on the plate more 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 so for developing a young quarterback, a young a, a lump of clay that you'd be bringing in, I think Roman would be terrific. I mean, I just wish he had kind of the, the head coaching experience. I think one thing, I know that it was, the comparison was made to John Fox. John Fox came to the Broncos after missing the playoffs five consecutive years. And, of course, right now the Broncos are headed for their sixth year out of the playoffs. He came to the Broncos when they went for, after 4-12, and 12, their worst season since the AFL days. And largely – Foxy walking in was to kind of stop the nonsense and and yeah. and get things get the get the franchise back on its feet. And I think to some degree, Jim Caldwell, if you brought him in, it would be the same type of hire. Okay, you know, we maybe maybe we're not expecting to go to the Super Bowl right away, but let's just cut the crap here and let's let's start by kind of fixing this culture. That has gone so wrong and has and has helped uh, lead to a bunch of losing seasons. It's, it's a first step to getting it right. The thing is, it, the, George George Payton and, and Jim Caldwell they don't have any history. And and to me, I think you sh- I, I think if I, if it were up to me hiring, I'm focused less less on the personal history and more on finding the right person. I think, yep. and that's why Peterson Caldwell it's sort of the mix of that experience but that that offensive that that offensive mind that I think probably suits the Broncos like if you're trying to find an ideal candidate those probably suit the Broncos a little bit better right now for what they need than a Dan Quinn unless you nail the OC hire and unless Dan Quinn means that you can get Russell Wilson if that's the case yeah Dan Quinn should be your guy 
Right, right. I, absolutely. And Mason, we're, there's so many more names we can talk about, mm-hmm. but I want to get to just two more in this conversation. And don't worry, we're going to be talking about it plenty, especially if Vic Fangio is gone in just six mm-hmm. or seven days. Two last guys I want to talk about. One we've talked about a little bit, but who would you prefer over two 41-year-old coaches, both offensive coordinators of very successful teams, and both right now are coaching Hall of Fame Super Bowl quarterbacks. And, of course, I'm talking about Packers offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett. He's 41 years old. And Buccaneers offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich. He's also 41 years old. Some of these things that these guys have in common, not only really good offenses now and are surrounded by really good staffs, but on top of that, both guys – aren't experienced and these are big names we talked about Hackett a lot last week and got a lot of good reviews there's so many good things said about Byron Left which if 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 it's your choice who are you choosing between the two I'm a little bit biased uh watching Tampa Bay really closely so slight 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 edge if between those two to Byron Left fair Fair, but now would you like both of those guys? Because it seems like they both have so much going for them except the head coaching experience. Yeah, I for me, just in general, I want somebody that's done it before. Let I always say, let that first time head coach make those first time mistakes on somebody else's dime. That's and we we've seen now uh, the last five years, two first-time head coaches who've made mistakes on the Broncos' dime. I think uh, the, the worrisome thing uh, with Vic Fangio here is that we're in year three, and we still see some of those uh, management snafus. And a- a- as I detailed a little bit in at the end of my uh, game story last night, and I'm going to get into later this week here on the DMVR.com, coaches have three straight losing seasons to start off. To, to start off doesn't usually get much better and if they stay if they stick around the uh, right. at least since the AFL NFL merger of 1970 that uh, uh, usually the three the three losing seasons it's not something where if you stick with the guy you end up getting the results eventually getting the results that you want Right. Yeah, you're, you're right. But if you want to get the results that you want, check out our friends over at Green Mountain Dental. Well, they will absolutely live up to your high expectations of them because we've had several DNVR listeners switch over to Green Mountain Dental and they have all given us fantastic reviews about their experience, including that Green Mountain Dental, they treat you like family, which is so important when you're trusting them with your teeth that they treat you like family. And on top of that, they, they can talk Colorado sports because they are part of our DNVR family. They're diehard Colorado sports fans. So might as well go to a place that's going to treat you good. And you're going to be able to talk Colorado sports. And on top of that, if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you'll get a free Sonicare toothbrush. That's right. They'll give you a free Sonicare toothbrush from just taking care of your teeth. So schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam with our friends over at Green Mountain Dental and get a free Sonicare toothbrush. Also want to tell you about sexy pizza. Of course, uh, if you have plenty of that sexy pizza, you're going to want to make sure you brush up with a Sonicare toothbrush and take your teeth from Green Mountain Dental Group. But uh, if you want to keep it local for your pizza, uh, go with the best local pizza. We found that, of course, is sexy pizza. And that's why we've got sexy pizza at every tailgate that we have. We've got plenty of flavors. Me, I love that green chili pizza that they serve. I had mm. a slice of that uh, before the Bengals game a couple weeks back. And you know what? Game was terrible, as we experienced, but the best part of my day was that slice of green chili pizza that I had over at the tailgate. So come on out to the Bronco, the MVR Broncos tailgate on Saturday and get some sexy pizza. But you know what? We're getting to the offseason. No more tailgates, but you, you're still going to want pizza. 
and sexy pizza is as good and as local as it gets. A hand-tossed deck oven pizza with made-from-scratch each morning dough. They've got a wide range of toppings, pretty much everything you can you imagine. You, you can imagine if you believe in pineapple and ham on a pizza, Hawaiian pizza, as I do. You can get that at Sexy Pizza. And by the way, I've had the pineapple and ham pizza. It's terrific over there. I will I will vouch for that. With a 12-inch, 16-inch, or 18-inch crust, Sexy Pizza is sure to be the right fit. And you know what? More than just pizzas at Sexy Pizza. they got wings, salads, pasta, garlic knots, and dessert options. And if you're going vegan, you can get a vegan pizza. If you want to go vegan and gluten-free, they've got gluten-free crust as well. So make sure you check out Sexy Pizza next time you want pizza and are in the Denver area. You've got four locations in Denver, in Capitol Hill, Old South Pearl location I go to, Jefferson Park and Park Hill, and they just opened up a new location way down in southern Colorado in Trinidad, not too far from I-25. So check out any of Sex Sexy Pizza's five locations and get the best pizza you'll find in Colorado. Speaking of top of the line, our friends over at Saturday Neon are making the best neon signs that you could ever imagine. They've got them for CU. They've got them for CSU. And both of these signs are so cool. We've got them both at the DNVR bar, and they are awesome. They're top of the line. And if you want to get one from your school, go on to Saturday Neon's website to see if they have it because they keep expanding their reach. They're the best neon signs out there. And if you want to illuminate your game day experience, you can do it with 10% off by using the code DNVR over at Saturday Neon. You'll get 10% off any of their signs and they really are the coolest thing ever. You want to get someone the best gift ever? Uh, get them a Saturday Neon sign of their favorite school or team. So check them out Saturday Neon and use that code DNVR to get 10% off. All right, Mace, let's hop into the comment section. And before we do, we got one more super chat to hit coming in from Thomas. We really appreciate it, Thomas. He says, love the pod, guys. Thank you. Hopefully we get a leader that can pick good <laughs> offensive or good coordinators. Laughing, crying face. Mace, finish this for me. I don't oh, even know how to read this, Mace. You're it's gonna have to City, City, best, te- best team in the land. It's uh, <laughs> the song they like to sing. Of course, I'm wearing a Man City uh, hoodie today. So even with their uh, their change kit colors for the year, the uh, uh, they've got the little bit, bit of the teal and uh, kind of fuchsia hot pink going on. That's the kind of thing. We don't see those kind of colors in American sports very often. You know that? No, we do not. We do not see uh, pink in I can't think of any professional sport. I mean, this is, I mean, I, this is kind of, this is kind of a dazzling color. And uh, I think it, it, this little gradient thing going on here. I like it. It's, and it's very comfortable. I mean, I'll, shout out to Puma. They make very comfortable sweatsuits. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mace, let's hop into the comment section. First one coming in from Coach Tobin. Locke is going to go somewhere else and possibly thrive in a new environment. That stinks. I don't have a clue of the future of Broncos country, but this obviously isn't it. We have good players and need to capitalize on that. We aren't getting Rodgers or Wilson, so it needs to be built from within. Love you dudes. What do you think of that, Mace? What did you think of Locke's performance yesterday? I mean, I heard a little bit on the podcast when I was driving, when I finally got home because my flight was late and I literally was driving from the airport to my place at like two in the morning. But uh, what were your general thoughts? I think Locke in these past two games has been fine, good. Uh, I don't want to go too crazy, though. The stats, I think, are better than he's played. Uh, And what I look at is the overall offensive production. And the overall offensive production has been been terrible, Yeah, uh, the Broncos, in these past two weeks. I mean, the Broncos have put up 
not even 13 points a game on offense. I mean, yesterday they put up, they put up six before garbage time touchdown. And two weeks ago, they put up uh, six outside of a Bradley Chubb, the near pick six. So that your quarterback is the one that gets all the praise rightfully. So when the offense is tearing, the quarterback should probably also get the most blame. And I know that he wasn't helped out by the running game. And I know there were drops in that Raiders game, but still 158 yards in that Raiders game. I mean, at what what point are are we going to open our eyes and put some of that on the quarterback? So I I do want to give him credit. uh, And I gave him a lot of credit last night. He has not turned the ball over in these Mm -hmm. two starts that that is incredible. That's where he needed to start. But to say that, you know, he's a top 10 quarterback, he's ready to be the franchise guy, uh, I'm nowhere near that yet. Yeah, and, and one thing, I mean, he is – one reason they're, they're, they're not able to run the ball well is you're seeing more stacked boxes. So And that's it, too. It, it yeah. is both teams have said, we will let Drew Locke beat us. Yeah. And you know what? Drew Locke hasn't beat him. Drew Locke's been efficient, but he hasn't beat him. And I would say this, like, I got all – you know what? I got all sorts of – um vitriol for posting the ESPN QBR last night for Drew Locke, which was 18.8. I, I literally like people. I, Oh, you selected that number. I literally post the QBRs every week. (laughs) No matter who's the quarterback, it's informative. Now we have the PFF grade in, we have the passer rating, we have EPA per play. We have CPOE completion percentage over expected. And I think it's good to kind of take, to, to take a step back Look at all of those kind of on a week to week basis, and uh, and what and what do we see? So if when you take all the, we take all those and put them together among twenty nine quarterbacks with enough plays to be evaluated this week, his pass rating was fifth. Although, like you mentioned, the 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 thing that kind of boosted that the touchdown came in garbage time. The PFF passing grade it was fifteenth out of twenty nine quarterbacks. His ESPN QBR was twenty eighth of twenty nine. EPA per play was fifteenth. Completion percentage over expected was 15th. So you kind of look at that. I'd say, and basically it kind of reveals that it was, it was a mid tier game. It was fine. It was not, it was not great, but it wasn't bad. And yeah, I feel and he hasn't turned the ball. evaluation saying fine and good with those numbers. Right. And, and I think it's big and significant that he has not turned uh, the ball over. Although we know that there were a couple of near misses. There was the play where Kendall Hinton tripped, but that was also going. That was also a throw into traffic. That even if Hinton doesn't trip, Derwin James is in position to make some kind of play on the ball. So that doesn't. And I think, for example, in uh, in QBR and even in PFF, uh, they're not going to give. They're not going to look favorably on that tight on that throw. But you know, every quarterback has throws that they want back in in a game. He's been he's been fine. Has he shown enough? I think to uh, to put everything in his hands for next year. Uh, probably not. But he's been better. Melvin Gordon pointed out today that he's uh, had better command in the huddle. That those are these are all good signs. The question is, are these good signs enough to where you run it back or not? I think it's more likely that they that they don't run it back with him. I agree. Next one from Omaha says week 18 is now actually a win-win for the Broncos. If they win, they end the losing streak to Kansas city who will be playing to win. And if they lose, they clinch a top 10 pick almost, they almost clinch a top 10 pick. So there's that as for the future of this team, if there's any chance at all, George Payton has an eye on the quarterback class in 2023. I know, I know nobody wants to even entertain the idea of the Broncos being one of the worst teams in the league next year, but bear with me. What if Fangio is brought back for his lame duck year and this whole operation really bottoms out 
owning a top five pick in 2023 really guarantees you an excellent shot at either Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. If you don't see that, or, or and if you don't didn't see what them boys got up on the weekend, I suggest you do. Is there any chance this is the line of thinking at Dove Valley? Well, I mean, there's a chance, but I don't know. Um, I don't know if the timing is going to be right for that sort of patience with new ownership coming in. That's yeah. I have a hard time believing know. that the Broncos are going into this year saying let's bottom out for a 2023 quarterback. I can't. I can't imagine that. Because um, here's the thing: if you have you have new ownership, let's assume that the new owner says, "Okay, whoever is here, I'm giving at least I'm going to give this year." Okay, I'm going to watch him in 2022, see how it goes. Well, if you're sitting there and you bottom out, you go 4-13 and 13 after uh, 7-10, and 10, in spite of what George Payton did in the draft, that's not going to reflect very well on him. A new, a new right. owner may sit there. The new owner is the rogue planet in this solar system, so to speak. You don't, you don't, you don't know. You don't, you don't know if they're going to be patient. You don't know if they're going to be impetuous. And, how, and thus, I don't think that it really behooves George Payton to go into next year and say, I'm punting this year completely to try to get Young or Stroud. I don't think that that's something that he can really afford to do. And, even, and, and the way – and the other thing is, I mean, the other way you could you potentially do this – and this is what I think you could justify is trading draft assets for future capital. But again, that doesn't guarantee anything because what if the teams of pick one and two aren't moving from picks one or two, no matter what you could offer them. Right. That that's, right. and that's, and that's the, 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 uh, the questionable thing there. And you, I imagine that with young and Stroud, the, if there are deals, it may look a little bit like, uh, like like twenty twelve like uh, like twenty twelve when Washington made that huge deal to move up and pick RG three number two behind Andrew Luck and gave up a heck of a lot. There may be a stampede to the top at that point. Yeah, seriously. Next one from Broncos Superfan says, I'm so tired of losing. Super Bowl 50 feels like decades ago. I hope I wake up and changes are being made. What's the point of not firing coaches yet? Just bought a shirt to support the fire victim. Sorry for RK's family. DNVR is a class act, and I'm thankful to have you all to listen to. Denver Broncos for life. We love you, Superfan, Broncos Superfan. And that's right. Just another reminder that we, we have those shirts with all proceeds going to help mm -hmm. the Boulder County community after the fire. And it is so cool how many people are getting in on those shirts to help people. So we still have those up at our website at dnvrlocker.com. So make sure to check them out. And we're matching all the proceeds as well at DNVR. So, I mean, that, that's, that's the cool thing about this over $50,000 has been raised. This is something so this we so this cool. can really help uh, uh some of the victims hopefully uh, get back on their feet. And so if you want to get in on that, make sure you 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 order that shirt. By the way, uh Eric, another another great design there, by the way. Absolutely. Love love the shirt and love the cause. 
Next one from Dan Burke. Hey, guys, can y'all elaborate on how assistant coaching contracts work? If the Broncos were to fire Vic, does that mean position coaches like Zach Azani will be free agents and free to sign with another team, especially if the Broncos take their time to hire a new head coach? I know coaches like Azani and Mott can survive a coaching change, but that seems pretty uncommon in the league. I feel like people might be taking player development for granted with this current coaching staff. I know the coaches tend to be an easy target, but several players have gotten better since Vic and company took over in 2019. So that's something that should be considered when talking about bringing a new staff in yeah several have gotten better but some haven't i mean that's uh i mean if the if if the players were getting better as a whole wouldn't the results be better than they have been probably yeah yeah i mean so i mean i'm i'm not sure that is as as much of a attribute as it may appear as it may appear to be now as for the contracts i mean it I don't have all the contract data um, in front of me, so I don't know whose contracts are expiring and whose aren't. Like, for example, there are some coaches whose contracts are simply expiring and then uh, they won't bring them back and they'll move on. But there are some coaches whose contracts aren't expiring and they could say, well, we're going to, even though we've made a change at head coach, made a change here at coordinators, we're going to keep these people under contract and they would, and then, to potentially go elsewhere, they would have to um, receive permission to interview uh, from the Broncos. Usually, when you've made a head coaching move, that permission is almost always granted. Sometimes it's not. Some are are persnickety with that, and um, it's interesting in the cases of Zach Azani and Curtis Modkins in particular. Those are two coaches that I think uh, the Broncos, even if they make changes at head coach. Those are two that they may want to hang on to, find a way to hang on to. I'd say ditto, for example, Bill Kolar is another one that uh, if if he sticks or if, if he chooses to continue coaching, that the Broncos would want to uh, hang on to him. Now, Kolar has been a part of now three uh, three coaching, three head coaching staffs working under uh, Gary Kubiak and then Vance Joseph and uh, now Vic Fangio. Same goes for inside linebackers coach Reggie Herring, which tells you how respected those two coaches in particular are. Yeah, it, exactly. And so Broncos can bring some of those back in. They can also fire the whole staff, even if they're under contract. It's just like the contracts. They'll get they'll get paid out and mm-hmm. go find employment uh, elsewhere as well. Next one coming in from Wooked Out Broncos says, three-year listener and at least one-year subscriber. First-time comment. Love hearing from you. And it is a divorce letter to me, pretty much. It says, Dear Zach, you've said multiple times that Drew Locke had his chance last year, and he ruined that by how bad he played and by leading the league and interceptions whenever someone mentions we messed up not starting him this year that's the thing you always seem to come back to and then he reminds me of a lot of things how drew lock looked good in week one of last year week two he gets injured his first week back he becomes the youngest quarterback to win in foxborough says obviously there's the chargers comeback which we should say a lot more when giving credit for and then he ended the season on a run that showed potential as well he says, with all those things against them last year, you can't use that as your main argument when you say we gave Locke a chance. Also, we would have beat the Saints if we weren't in this ridiculous protocol world we live in, which I like to think we're not going to live in forever. So don't rate my quarterbacks based off that. Something you're leaving out is what Drew Locke did to put you in that conversation. Uh, he broke protocols. 
lied about it. And that is how the Broncos got put in that situation. So don't forget to leave that or don't, don't leave that out there. He also says it was all doomed when we fired Rich Scangarello, who obviously ran the type of offense that would work for that type of quarterback for Pat freaking Shermer. What a waste of the time this season was duped. All of us a bit was fun being excited about the playoffs for a little bit though. Much love. Appreciate y'all. And I appreciate you. And I appreciate you. you giving me some pushback. Um, my only question is, I mean, how many chances are, are guys going to get? Not not just guys like Drew Locke, but but how, how many chances are guys going to get when they play a whole season and and they're statistically in nearly every single category the worst at their position? This isn't a Drew Locke thing. This is just taking a step back and looking. Mace, you're not going to – not many guys after being the worst position or worst player at their position across the league are going to get a second shot just to be the guy just given the job. Remember, Drew Locke was given more of a chance than many people expected. He was given a chance to compete for this job this year, and he did not win that competition. And so I honestly think that the Broncos gave him more of a chance than than most teams would have. Yeah, and I think uh, you, you mentioned the Saints week and uh, – you know, I think whether you want to debate whether the protocols existed or not, uh, uh, should have existed or not at the same time, uh, if you say, fine, okay, the protocol shouldn't have existed, they still, the quarterbacks as a whole, still attempted subterfuge, still tried to lie about what happened, which not only proved to be a bad decision, but an incredibly stupid decision because that facility is teeming with cameras. So anything you did was going to be on camera. So on multiple levels, it was just uh, for all the quarterbacks in that room was a poor decision. It's why, frankly, if it had been up to me, I would have just kind of cleared house and started over again. You kind of had to question, I think, uh, the decision, the decision-making process, the thought process there, and it left the whole team in the lurch. Let you know, you there's the phrase that often is used in England, in Britain, letting down the side. Well, I don't think you could let down the side, so to speak, the entire organization any more than that. I think that's some, and frankly, I do believe that is, that does linger in Vic Fangio's mind when he thinks about uh, uh, the quarterbacks and, and his thoughts on, on Drew Locke. I know that people kind of got, have dissected his less than enthusiastic statements in recent <laughs> weeks regarding, sure. regarding Locke's play. I think some of that kind of goes back to that week and, and his feelings on that. Yeah, absolutely. Next one, we want to get to as many comments as we can in the next couple minutes. Next one from Sobe Brothers. Happy New Year. This is our first time commenting after subscribing a few days ago. We got him. Welcome to the fam, Sobe Brothers. Thank you. With the New Year having commenced by the time you read this, we note that it is regrettable that any fresh starts or new beginnings are temporarily on hold since we all uh, to immediately thrust ourselves back into uh, the hold that is watching the 2021-2022 Broncos. I believe earlier this year, I heard may say that a team takes on the personality of their head coach and quarterback for an observer's view Vic Fangio is as emotionally dynamic as a potato the Sobe brothers declare that the Denver Broncos New Year's resolution should be to hire a head coach who has some intensity and maybe some panache right now who do we think the Broncos rally behind who is their leader if Peyton decides to change the head coach this offseason he needs to hire someone who the players will play for rather than play out of spite of question with all things being equal, how do you feel about the Denver Broncos right now? Vic Fangio was intense every game as he was in the Dallas game. Good question. I mean, I look, I don't want to see a coach kind of be intense for show. Uh, that's that's the thing. Like, I, I want it to be something kind of honest. And, you know, and kind of being overly demonstrative, it's not always the best thing. I mean, uh, 
but I do think the coach does take on the personality. I think the one thing you don't want to be is confused. Like you don't want to have that, that, that look where you're like, what the hell's going on out there? And uh, uh, you know, I mean, I know Vince Lombardi famously was yelling that, but he kind of yelled at the sides. If you don't want to kind of have that kind of confused, that kind of squinting look like, uh, what, what you don't want. If for those of you watching, you could kind of see that you want somebody who is either who's intense or stoic like bud grant was stoic right like back in the day hall of fame coach from minnesota vikings you know it was a matter of kind of giving the impression that nothing was going to phase us chuck knoll was stoic you know and the teams kind of took on that personality of being of kind of hey we'll take punch after punch but we're not going to deviate from what we're trying to do here and so I think like there are, there, there are kind of different things that the, so you can be intense and kind of, you know, fiery and demonstrative and that has its value and you can be stoic and that has its value. I think the one, and both of those can be a benefit. I think the one thing you don't want to be is looking kind of lost and confused. Yeah, exactly. And, and yes, it is important to have that personality head coach or quarterback and the Broncos do not have that. Now, the comment section has some pretty funny comments, but also <laughs> let's keep it civil. Anytime we talk about Drew and Teddy or just Drew, oh. it gets a little out of hand. Let's keep it civil. Uh, and would you please hit us with a, a like, a thumbs up over on the YouTube channel? We'd really appreciate that. It helps us. And we also love seeing your comments. Let's just keep it nice. Subscribe as well. We'd really appreciate that. All right, Mace, let's get to a couple more here. PS2 chimes in and says, another season down the drain. A great roster wasted on this coaching staff in Bridgewater. Can we finally admit that Locke was the right choice? Over the last two games, he has a 70% completion percentage, one touchdown, and 199 passing yards per game. Those are pretty much Teddy Bridgewater numbers, so why not go with the upside? Not to mention the rest of the team has not put Locke in a position to succeed. The running game has not gotten over 100 yards in, in a game six times this season. Two of those came with Locke starting. The other four, they went 2-2 two and two in their two wins coming against Washington and Jacksonville. Also, were both teams were, were held to under 13 points or under? Also, Locke had to deal with missing key players this game and having multiple drops in the Raiders game. Honestly, Locke has moved the ball better down the field than Teddy. It hasn't resulted in points, but how much blame can you put on Locke? He got the Broncos inside the Chargers 10 three times today. Each time, he only got to throw one pass. One was a touchdown. One was a five-yard pass, which was the most yards gained, and the other was minus one yard. You guys can try to cherry-pick stats that prove Teddy is the better quarterback but Locke has shown us the team made a mistake. It is too late for Locke in Denver, but he will have a fun time beating us in the next 10 years with the Raiders. I love how people think that when you have like multiples, like a bunch of stats, people think that's cherry picking. That's, <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, if anything, I feel like we've tried to have a broad based range of stats to say, okay, this is what they are. That's why you put up, QBR, but you also put a passer rating. You go for the PFF grade and CPO, CPOE and, and EPA, expected points added per play. I think you want as much as possible to get kind of a, a broad a broad based thing. And the other thing is, if we're going to kind of talk about how they're moving the ball. Look, they're still aver they still averaged more yards per possession, more points per possession, all all that with with Bridgewater. So. I th and the other thing, like I mentioned earlier, is you're seeing a lot of stacked boxes. I mean, right, teams are teams. The last couple of weeks are daring the Broncos to throw the ball. 
Right. And I, that's why I asked Melvin Gordon today about about uh, you know what he what they were dealing with on the ground. Why you know you, you know how do you adapt to when when teams are basically uh, selling out to stop the run, which is logical because what the Broncos have have done best. And uh, you know he made the point that Curtis Mockins told him that hey, success, being a, a team that's successful running the ball is is having that success when they expect you to run. And uh, that's getting to kind of the next level. When you look at, at truly great teams running the ball, they were the ones that would jam it down your throat even when you were expecting it and say, okay, this is what we do. You figure out how to stop it. We're going to execute this better. And the Broncos, unfortunately, haven't done that, which it hasn't, which also hasn't helped Drew because it hasn't helped because that doesn't help the play action game either. Yeah, exactly. And and I think I, I've mentioned where I feel with Drew uh, uh, already here. My biggest thing was these final three games when it seemed like Drew was going to start. I didn't want people to get get fooled and, and then the Broncos to ride with Drew going into next year. So hopefully Locke has some success, uh, it, but it, it's probably going to be somewhere else because the Broncos have to make a huge move at quarterback in order to have success. So if, if we haven't learned anything else, over the past five or six years, I hope it is that, that you have to make a massive investment in the quarterback position. And Mace, I want to get to one more here. It's one I touched on in the first segment from Lou Drox says, hey guys, let's quickly move on from this game and look forward to a week today from today when Fangio, Shermer, and McMahon are hopefully sent packing. Questions for you. It looks like there will be a maximum of five head coaching head coach openings. Jags, Raiders, Bears, Broncos, and Vikings. Good news for the Broncos that it's only five, but do you think it's the most attractive job despite the ownership and quarterback uncertainty? His personal order of attractiveness would be Broncos, Raiders, Bears, Vikings, and Jags at the end. Cheers, Charlie. And Charlie, no, I, I don't think the Broncos job is the most attractive. And Mace, let's just say it is just those five jobs that are open, although it seems mm-hmm. like there's always a, a surprise one or two. But let's say it's just those. How would you rank them from most oh, attractive to least? You know what? And the funny thing is, like, my – Certain coaches are going to view them differently. There, there are coaches that will look at Justin Fields with the Bears and say, "That's the kind of quarterback I want. That's the skill set I want." And they'd have the Bears number one. Right. Um, I mean, I think for there are reasons why the Jaguars' job is a great job, but I do think they're making a mistake hanging on Trent Baalke, uh running football operations because, again, he's not very well thought of in a lot of circles around this league. Um, right now. Ah oh, man, see, Mace. Let me just let me. Yeah, just say this what, is what, what, this what is really tough. Of your tongue, it's not crazy to say the Broncos among these five is the least attractive. And mm-hmm. I think it, you obviously, in order to put the Bears above the Broncos, you have to like Justin Fields. But if you like Justin Fields, you got your quarterback. It, it doesn't matter, uh, and you do have some talent there. But if you don't like Justin Fields, then yeah, you're, you're probably putting the Broncos ahead of them. But Trevor Lawrence with the Jags? I mean, stop at Trevor Lawrence. That That's right there why that is a very attractive job, to have the number one overall pick, a guy that a lot of people thought was the best prospect coming out since Andrew Luck. There you go. That's attractive. Uh, the Raiders, Derek Carr, and a playoff team? I mean, Mace, in one week from now, we may be talking about the Raiders as a playoff team, let alone uh, a team that's searching for a new head coach. So if they have an opening – Derek Carr plus a, a borderline playoff team, despite everything they've gone to, that's a pretty attractive place. Plus, new facility, Las Vegas, that would attract some people. Uh, the Vikings, if you like Kirk Cousins, if you love Kirk Cousins, well, he's a better quarterback 
than what the Broncos have. If you don't, kind of where I'm at, I wouldn't want to be stuck with Kirk. Then I would view the Broncos maybe as, as a place where you're not stuck with the quarterback. You get to go pick your own quarterback. So kind of a push there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to me, that's why I can't put the Broncos any higher than third. And that's not even talking about the uncertainty at ownership. I believe it was uh, was Mike Shanahan who said that um, when you're evaluating the quality of jobs, you look at the owner and you look at the coach or the quarterback, pardon me. So right. let's let's rank these quarterback situations here because obviously different coaches are going to have different rankings. But right now, um, I'd say in terms of the certainty, I think the Raiders have the best quarterback situation of these five. Okay. With Carr. And then again, it depends what flavor you like. I, I, I'd say in order, it's Raiders, Jaguars, Bears, Vikings because Cousins has an onerous contract and they're kind of stuck with him, but they're kind of stuck in this halfway period where like they really don't want him. And then you have to put the Broncos at the bottom just because of, of kind of where they stand quarterback wise of, of that. And then you get to, but then you get to ownership. Um, I would argue that the Vikings are number one on this list with the Will family. And the resources they pour in, and how and and how I mean, and how good an organization that is. And then, uh, where do you rank Mark Davis? I mean, I think the Broncos are a big question mark in this, of course, and you can't really rank them. But I can say this: I know that of the four other of the, of the four other owners, you'd have to say the McCaskey family is dead last right now among those other four. Yeah, in Chicago, yeah. and then and and then you gotta wonder: do the, are the Broncos? A team without an owner better than that. Uh, it's yeah. it's just a dice roll right now, and, mm-hmm. and any any person that becomes the Broncos coach is just hoping that it's sold to the right group, and then after the right group buys them, are they do the right things with the organization? And the other thing is also what kind of competition do they face? And of course, the Broncos and Raiders are in a division that has Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. We were reminded yesterday of just how good Justin Herbert is. Um. The Bears and Vikings are in a situation where if Aaron Rodgers is on his way out of the NFC North, the skies could be set to clear considerably. And then the Jaguars, yeah, they're in a division that's got the number one seed in Tennessee. But Ryan Tannehill, I think we can agree, is one of those quarterbacks who, in RK's parlance, is more the pilot than the plane. Yes. The other good team in that division, the Colts, Carson Wentz, is a pilot more than the plane. So you look at that that division, uh, the, the the Titans, I don't, you know, you can say, all right, if we develop Trevor Lawrence, we can actually, we can take over this division here. So situation, so the division situation, I think, matters as well. And that's where the, the Broncos and Raiders probably uh, have the least in their favor at this point because you're staring down the barrel of four games a year against Mahomes and Herbert. Yeah, yeah, you're, 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 you're absolutely right. And uh, it's an interesting conversation, one yeah. we're going to see uh, potentially play out in just the next couple of days. And, of course, for anyone that didn't catch it, the Broncos played this Saturday. The game was moved from Sunday to Saturday. We're going to have you covered with everything you need to know leading up to the game, right after the game, breaking the game down, breaking where the Broncos' coaching situation stands. And you know if any breaking news happens, we are going to be here. Got to give a shout out to our friends over at Green Mountain Dental one more time. 
check them out. They're only a 15-minute drive from downtown Denver. They're a longtime DNVR partner, meaning they've supported us and supporting our partners is supporting us. You're going to get your teeth cleaned anyways. Might as well go to the best damn family-owned dentistry in the Denver metro area and get a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. That's our friends over at Green Mountain Dental. But for Mace and I, that'll do it for us today. Thank you all so much for rolling with us. Hit us with a thumbs up on your way out and have a magnificent Monday. Happy New Year, everyone. And we're so thankful that you are all rolling with us into this new year where we certainly know there's going to be a new Broncos team. We'll catch you tomorrow on the DNVR Broncos podcast. Take you back one last time